Hallelujah. Glory be to Jesus. Tonight we want to continue on the series of warnings that the Lord Jesus has for us. These teachings are designed to draw us closer to God and not to take things for granted and not to compromise our faith, not to compromise our service of God. Ladies and gentlemen, some of the demands of God, sometimes modern day philosophies and ideologies may make us think that we can live our lives anyway, anyhow, and still be in the good books of God. But ladies and gentlemen, if you think about the fact that his death is just not a story that we have heard, but it was a real, brutal, humiliating, and shameful death. God did not allow his son to die that way so that we can just live any way, anyhow. But we need to be mindful that there is a coming judgment and these messages are designed to keep us in focus and to remain faithful until the Lord Jesus returns or until the Lord Jesus calls us home, whichever comes first in Jesus' name. Tonight, as a continuation of last week, where I shared with you on the church in Thyatira. Tonight, I want to speak to you about the church in Pergamos. The church in Pergamos. The Bible tells us from the introduction I gave last week, and I counsel you to get last week's message. Just go back on YouTube later after this message and listen to that again and again and again. But Jesus appeared to John, the apostle. And said to him that he is coming back again. And that this message must go to the churches. And as we understood last week, in breaking the book of Revelations down to understand it, we need to pick up that chapter 1 are the things that are the revelation of Jesus Christ. He says that you have seen, that is Jesus. And then in the verse 19, he says to him that write the things that you have seen. And the things that exist now and the things that shall happen hereafter. The things that shall happen hereafter is from chapter 4 to chapter 22. The things that are happening now are the ones in chapter 2 and chapter 3. And the things John had seen is the one in chapter 1. And so the Bible tells us Jesus then writes to the church. And every church he wrote to is a form of example or replica of the church as it is today. Things that were talked about exist in the church and they are still existing. And when he talks about the church, don't only think about building, but think about yourself. Because you are a component and a member of the church. The church is the people. The movement of the people of God. And so the Bible tells us that we learned about the commendation of the people in Thyatira. And Jesus then comes in here again and is speaking to the church that is in Pergamos. We also learned that when he says to the angels of the churches, he was talking about the pastors of the churches and the people in the church. So the message was for the people, but through the pastor in the church. And then the Bible showed some of the condemnation and rebuke was against the pastor who allows some of these things to go on in the place. Are you here this evening? Hallelujah. Now the Bible says in verse number 12 of Revelations chapter 2, Revelation chapter 2 verse 12. I am not teaching this in order from 
Otherwise, we would have started from Ephesus. But the Lord is speaking them out in a way that in the end, I would have addressed all the seven churches, but we are not following the order in which it is written in Scripture. In chapter 2 and the verse number 12, it says to the angel of the church in Pergamos, write these things. These are the words of him who has the sharp double-edged sword. <laughs> Jesus introduced himself in all the seven churches. He introduced himself in a particular way depending on the spiritual maturity of the people, their understanding, their circumstances, and some of the things that they are doing that is not also right in his sight. So he introduced himself in different ways. At another set of series of teachings, I will only deal with the introductions of Jesus Christ in revelations to the churches. But this Bible says that these are the words of him who has the sharp double-edged sword. Now we know in Hebrews chapter 4 verse 12 that the Bible says for the word of God is living and active and sharper than a double-edged sword. He said he is the one that has the double-edged sword, a sharp double-edged sword. Glory be to Jesus. Amen. And he says, I know where you live, where Satan has his throne. Jesus said, this very church is located in an environment where Satan literally stays. And this is correct in scripture because apart from God Almighty, who is omniscient and omnipresent, he is equally present everywhere at the same time, Satan is a created being. He can only be in one place at a time. Remember, he is not God that can be present everywhere at the same time. But Satan is a created being. He was created an angel. He is a fallen angel. That entity called Satan, alias the devil, the Bible says he can be in one place at a time. He can be in England today. And he cannot be England and Ghana at the same time. He was going to be in one location. The Bible says at this time, God says, it looks here that Satan literally was staying in Pergamos. When Satan comes to live in your city, the persecution against the church will be enormous. The disorder, the lawlessness, the sin in that nation will be extraordinary. Because Satan's throne has moved. So he moves from city to city. I always believe that he lives in the United Kingdom or France. He's in this one of these locations. I believe so. I believe so. I believe so. He has left Africa. Now, he has got agents called demons, principalities, who are in second in ranking as far as the organization of the satanic hierarchy is concerned. Principalities. Powers, rulers of darkness of this world, spiritual host of wickedness. So Satan is, the, is at the head of such an evil empire and organization. And so he can have representatives in different countries carrying out his instructions who are demons. But himself as an entity can be in one place at a time. Jesus said, I know where you live. I know the state of the church. I know what you are going through. I know the circumstance in which the church is operating. It is operating in a place where Satan has his throne. Yet, even though Satan has his throne in this place, 
You people in the church in Pergamos and the pastors of the church in Pergamos, you have remained true to my name. And you have not renounced your faith in me. Even in the days of Antipas, my faithful witness, who was put to death in your city, where Satan lives. Now it's very clear. Where Satan dwells, he lives here. His throne is there. He himself is there. And in Pergamos, the church experienced persecutions, serious attacks. And Antipas was mentioned by the Lord. I came to announce to you, the Lord knows them that are his. The Lord knows those that are his. This is a big church. It had a bishop. And John the apostle by church history, it is reckoned that John the apostle had ordained Antipas as the bishop of Pergamos. And Pergamos, the people in Pergamos, the idol worshippers in Pergamos, ganged up together, attacked Antipas the bishop, and killed him and murdered him at a satanic shrine. And so the Bible says the Lord God Almighty still remembered who his servant was and was able to mention and single him out. That even when Antipas was killed, the church still stood strong. They didn't give up their faith. They confessed Jesus Christ. They were brutalized. They were humiliated. They were persecuted. They were attacked. And they continued to carry on. The church stood. The people didn't deny Jesus. They served the Lord Jesus. Ladies and gentlemen, we are living in terrible times. But we may not have been persecuted like the early church. But even in our freedom, we are not still serving Christ the way we must serve him. Shamelessly, boldly, and fearlessly. There is some form of persecution going on these days. Even in workplaces that you can't mention the name of the Lord. You can't say certain things and preach certain things. And people are losing their jobs and professionals, doctors and nurses are losing their jobs. These are all forms of mild persecutions. Paul would have described them as light afflictions. I don't even think they qualify as light afflictions. Because when Paul described the afflictions he was going through, he described them as light afflictions. He was beaten 39 times, times 5 with rods. He called that light affliction. He was beaten so much that he was left half dead. And they had to carry him and put him in a basket and drop him behind the city gate. Light affliction. So when you are being persecuted at workplace, we don't even know what to call it because that one will be below light. And yet, the Bible says all these people stood firm and the Lord took notice of all of that. The Lord took notice. Now, then the Bible says, nevertheless, I have a few things against you. You have people there. See, last week he commended them. Then he said, I have something against you. Don't only go away happy that the Lord has said he has something good for you. Be careful to ask him what he didn't have for you. <laughs> what he is not happy with. He says, nevertheless, I have a few things against you. Against you, the pastor, and against you, the people. Because you have people there in the church. Who hold to the teaching of Balaam. Who taught Balak to entice the Israelites to sin. By eating food sacrificed to idols. 
and for committing sexual immorality. Last week, we saw that the church in Tartira had sexual immorality as something the Lord has against them. For Jezebel teaching that in the church in Pergamos, Jezebel was not there, but the Bible says some people there are carrying the doctrine of Balaam. And it says you have some people in the church. I will take time to exegete on the doctrine of Balaam and the Nicolaitans tonight. Then it says, likewise, you also have those who hold to the teaching of the Nicolaitans. Now, you see, throughout, whenever Jesus says, I have something against you, of all the things mentioned, then he mentioned sexual immorality. And the reason why that is always highlighted is because satanic orgies, satanic rituals, pagan worship and pagan rituals and religions always have sexual orgies as part of the process. So they do these things as part of the ceremony. And so when people backslide from church, they get themselves also involved in these things. Now he says, likewise, you also have those who hold the teaching of the Nicolaitans. Repent, therefore. Otherwise, I will soon come to you and I will fight against them with the sword of my mouth. He's not coming to fight against unbelievers. He's coming to fight against members of the church. With his word. He who has an ear, let him hear what the Spirit says to the churches. To him who overcomes, we are called to overcome these things. I will give some of the hidden manna. I will give him a white stone with a new name written on it, known only to him who receives it. Hallelujah. May the blessing of the Lord be upon the reading of his holy word. And the people of God shall say, Amen. Now, let me, you see, Pergamos, let's look at the history of Pergamos first. So, Pergamos was a very interesting, strategic, beautiful city. It is very strategic to the Romans. And in this city, at least four or five major gods, it is the headquarters of four or five major gods in those days. So it is an idolatrous center as well. It is prosperous commercially, but it is very, very rich in idol worship. Five gods are worshipped, including the Caesar, who is seen as God. So in such a place, it is no wonder that Jesus says that Satan lives here. Amen. It is a city surrounded by idol worship. The worship of Zeus. Dinosius, Asclepius, and Athene, plus the deity who is known as the Caesar. The king, the, the Roman emperor is worshipped as a god. So satanic worshippers were very much in this city. And if Satan himself is dwelling in a place, I mean, if a demon is in a location, you see the lifestyle of the people, let alone Satan himself dwells here, you can imagine the influence satanic worship is going on in this city and in this very city also we have a church and the church stood fair they continued to preach righteousness they continued to teach the right things but there were certain compromises in the church so jesus comes commends them for their faithfulness in the face of adversity and says i have something against you so there were a lot of terrible things and a lot of christians were killed in those days in this city, a lot of Christians were killed. And you see, there are people who stopped going to church because some people were saying something about the church. 
<laughs> but, and some people stopped going to church because they heard a rumor about another pastor who may have stolen money or has built a house or done something. And then they said, as for me, church itself, I won't go again. And all of that. But if, can you imagine that they are killing members of your church and you continue to go to church? This is commitment. So these people were committed to Jesus. Christians were being killed and people were still holding on to their faith. Church, we are joking in our days. And I believe that we will receive the greatest judgment from God because we have got a lot of things. We have got all kinds of gadgets today that the early church did not have. We have certain levels of freedom. Today we have laws that protect freedom of religion and freedom of association and gathering. But in those days, there was no freedom of anything. I believe that in those days, the statement from the emperor will be that of the late Idi Amin. He said to that British journalist who talked about freedom of speech, he said, freedom of speech, you can have it, but I can't guarantee your freedom after speech. Now, I believe that this is what happens to the church here. They would have been gathering, but there were persecutions. Killings were going on, and people still held on. Many people were killed by satanic worshippers. And so, in those days, it was not easy to be a Christian in Pergamos. It was not easy. Believers experience great pressure to compromise or leave the faith. You either compromise or otherwise you will be killed. Or you may have to compromise and then stop being a Christian. People, it was not easy to be a Christian in Pergamos. And Jesus said, I know what you were going through. I know your location. Sometimes we go through things for the sake of our Christian faith. And we think the Lord has not seen it. If God could identify Antipas, Amen. the Lord knows about you. Amen. Stand fair. Amen. Be a Christian. In the workplace, be a Christian. Amen. In your community, be a Christian. Shamelessly and fearlessly be a Christian. For the salvation of many people depends on the message of Christ and the testimony that you will give of Christ with your life. We must be prepared to be martyrs of Jesus Christ in our days. This is the test of our Christian life. So Pergamos was a dangerous place to have a church. And yet they stood firm. But the Bible says despite all of this, that some died for their faith. Whilst others were dying for their faith, others were compromising in church. Others were compromising. And the Lord says, I saw all of this. I saw all of this. So it is good. May the Lord help us that we will not renounce our faith in him. That when people are being persecuted, we'll be happy to still preach Christ. Amen. Fearlessly and shamelessly. Amen. In the name of Jesus. May you not be ashamed that you are a Christian. Amen. When lockdown is over and we need to go out on the streets, don't be ashamed to come along. Amen. Even when lockdown is on, don't be ashamed to give a call to someone and ask the person whether they are saved. Especially those who are your friends. May we see all these things in scripture and realize that the Lord sees Antipas. And he sees the many who had been dead for his sake. He said, I know Satan lives there. You are still serving me. Would you be able to plant a church in a place where there are idol worshippers? Where representatives of Satan are, not even Satan himself. So Pergamos has some strong points. But you see, this is where the danger lies when you are dealing with God. 
<laughs> when we are dealing with God, we think we have ticked all the boxes till he tells us, I like all that you do. You are being killed for my sake. That's fine, but I still have something against you. <laughs> the Lord is not like us who says, oh, because you have done all these good things, I, I, I don't mind if you compromise one life. You know, sometimes managers, seniors, you know, leadership, sometimes we look at the overall picture and say, this guy has done so well. Anyway, if he did one mistake, let's allow him. It's fine. But when you are dealing with God, you will find out that he doesn't operate that way at all. Look at all the commendations. Now he says, but I have something against you. And what he has against them can really be against them. It can be against them. So it means that some people can still die and the Lord will still have something against you. Nevertheless, I have a few things against you. And the few things were so important that he had to state them. He had to state them. Now he says, the first group of things I have against you is that you still have people in the church. That means these are still members of the church who hold to the teaching of Balaam. These are people who compromise in the church. See, the Bible says that when Israel were coming out of Egypt and they were in the wilderness, Balak, the king of the Amorites, was so concerned about them that he hired Balaam. Their names sound the same. They are not twins. They are not related at all. But the Bible says that in Numbers chapter 22 and chapter 24, this body of scriptures, the Bible says chapter 22, chapter 23, and 24, three scriptures. The Bible says the story is told there that Balak hired Balaam. When he first sent messengers to him, the Bible says Balaam refused it. But when he was offered money, offered money. So from beginning, he appeared like a man of principles. But when he was offered money, the Bible says he decided to go with them. He changed his mind. And later, the Bible says in Numbers chapter 31 verse 16 and 2 Peter chapter 2 verse 15 and Jude 11. I would want us to read these scriptures tonight just to let you see the doctrine of Balaam and the danger it caused. The Bible says some of these people were in the church in Pergamos. Much as some people were holding on, there were some people in church who appeared to be saved. And you might think that they too, they are standing for the faith, not knowing they have compromised their faith. So we may see them as if they too, they are dying for the Lord, but they are not dying. They, they have compromised their faith. That is why they are surviving. They are surviving because they are pretenders. They are hypocrites. They can't stand for the Lord, but they have compromised their faith. The Bible says you have some people there who hold on to the teaching of Balaam. The teaching of Balaam. Balaam was moved by money, greed, and he compromised his standards. Even when God came to him to say to him, don't go with them. Money was able to influence him. Sometimes worldly things have moved us. To compromise our Christian standards. Ladies and gentlemen, our Jesus Christ, who died and rose again from the dead, promised in John chapter 14 verse 1. He says, behold, I am coming. He's coming very soon. He's coming soon. He said, I'm going to prepare a place for you. And when I go, I will come back again to take you unto myself. He's coming back again. The Bible says in Numbers chapter 31 verse 16. Numbers 31 16. I want us to look at that scripture briefly and then we will come back to look at the 
the account in Peter. So when he couldn't curse the people, ultimately, he still did something. Because he has spiritual knowledge, he coached Balak. And they ended up, you know, getting into the people of God, relating with them, and then corrupting them in the process. So when they corrupted them in the process, they compromised the people of God. And their defense was gone from them. And then they received the judgment of God. So they were supposed to have been protected. But when they began to relate with people they are not supposed to mix up with, those people then corrupted them. And then it brought them into judgment against God. Because they were forced to sin by reason of association. That is why the Bible says, what, temp what has the temple of God got to do with the temple of darkness? What has light got to do with darkness? What has the temple of Christ got to do with the temple of Belial? Do not be unequally yoked together with unbelievers. When God told the Israelites not to marry from any other nation, it was not because those people were not created by God, but because they don't worship the God who made heaven and earth, when we relate with them, we will copy their ways. If you are not very strong to influence them, they will influence you. In life, this is how relationships work. You are either influencing those you are in relationship with, or they are actually influencing you. There is no neutral ground. Every relationship has significance. And so the Bible says that when Balaam got to know that he can't do it, and God has blessed the people and he can't curse them, he devised another strategy. He became nice with the people he was called to curse. They, are, they re received him. They thought he was a good guy. But then Balak was also influencing and they were in league. And said, then let us do this. Let's relate with them this way. And gradually they mixed up with them and taught them to sin. Taught them how to compromise certain things. It's a very dangerous thing. Look at it. Look at it. In chapter 31 verse 16. The Bible says, Numbers 31, 16. It says, look, these women caused the children of Israel through the counsel of Balaam. Through the counsel of Balaam. Is there any Balaam in church whose counsel you have been taking? Through the counsel of Balaam to trespass against the Lord in the incident of Peor. If you remember that time, the incident of peril, they caused the people to commit fornication. And in that day, the Lord killed 23,000 at a goal. It was he who coached them and influenced them. And they compromised things to make it look like what is sinful is no, it's not dangerous as you think. The Bible says, so there was a plague among the congregation of the Lord. It was Balaam who gave such a counsel. And the Bible says people died. Second Peter chapter 2, verse 15. Second Peter chapter 2 and the verse number 15. It is time to live a life of sanctification in preparation for the coming of the Lord. This should be your daily lifestyle. May the Lord deliver you from the Balaams. The Bible says the pastors have allowed Balaams to teach certain things in the church. They have positive sides. But God was not glossing over this one too. Chapter 2 and the verse number 15. 2 Peter chapter 2 verse 15. It says, they have forsaken the right way. And gone astray. 
following the way of Balaam, the son of Baal, who loved the wages of unrighteousness, corruption, compromises. But he was rebuked for his iniquity. A damp donkey speaking with a man's voice restrained the madness of the prophet. So the Bible says that there is something called the teachings of Balaam. It is able to influence righteous people to no longer fear God and to begin to play with what God has said we shouldn't play with. It is called compromise. The Balaam teaching and Balaam spirit is a compromising spirit. Look at Jude. Jude 1.11. Jude 1.11. The Bible says, Woe to them, for they have gone in the way of Cain, and they have run greedily in the error of Balaam for profit, and perish in the rebellion of Korah. This is a subject, a topic for another message I preached some years ago. I call it the way of Cain, the greed of Balaam, and the rebellion of Korah. Remind me of this, I'll preach this message in some weeks to come. But let's finish with the messages to the church. The Bible says, the greed, error of Balaam for profit. Sometimes we compromise our standards because we have been offered something. We have been told something is beautiful. Something is nice. It was the same error of Eve. She was told that this thing, when you eat it, you shall be wise and be like God. And the Bible says, when Eve saw that it was good for food and pleasant to the eyes, she took hold of it. So we see that the Balaam spirit is a compromising spirit. And so Jesus rebuked the church for tolerating those who, like Balaam, lead people away from God. Balaam's spirit leads people away from God. They come to church, but they teach you how to rebel against God. And they make the rebellion against God as if it is nothing. As if it is not a sin. You see, it's not a serious thing. I believe that there is a room for differences of opinion among Christians in some areas, but there should be no room for heresy and moral impurity. You see, don't tolerate sin by bowing to the pressure to be open-minded. This is how Balaam operates. They say, you have to be open-minded. You have to be open-minded. You should be a free thinker. I'm a free thinker. I'm open-minded. Don't bow to the pressure to tolerate sin in the name of being open-minded. It's a trap. That is how Balaam leads us. So the Bible says, even God, God has given them commandments. He has told them not to commit fornication. All those things. Not to even marry those people on their way to the land of Canaan. The Bible says, Balaam coached them. How not to fear what God calls sin. They coach you. That is nothing. You, you can drink alcohol. It's nothing. They can, listen. You can have all the arguments against uh, for, for alcohol. It doesn't change the mind of God. I believe God still stands by where he stands. You may not have seen a black and white in scripture, thou shalt not drink beer. But at least even in the NIV, in Proverbs chapter 20, beer is mentioned clearly. B-E-E-R is there. It is alcoholic beer. I'm talking about the one that you know. I'm talking about the alcoholic anointing. Now, listen. My point, as I look at scripture, 
is the fact that if there's nothing wrong with alcohol at all, why is it, at least in these examples I'm about to cite, about the birth, the miraculous prophetic birth of children whose names were brought from heaven, whose conception is divine, there are clear instructions they must not touch alcohol and their mothers must not touch it. If it doesn't do anything, why does God warn about it? It was a clear instruction regarding John the Baptist. It was a clear instruction concerning Samson. Very clear in scriptures. Very, very clear. Very, very clear on, the, on those ones. So the Bible has a lot to say about that subject. And there are people who knows how to lead you to hell by leading you diplomatically and convincing you that what must be a fearful thing to do should no longer be something you should be afraid of. They are the ones that can convince you to commit sexual sins and convince you that, look, all this thing you are afraid of is nothing, is nothing. It's just nothing. It's all right. There are others who have done it. Ladies and gentlemen, you are not those people because they will receive their judgment from the Lord. The Bible clearly says in Hebrews chapter 13 that marriage is honorable in all and the bed undefiled. But fornicators and adulterers, God will judge. Why don't you fear that one? Glory be to Jesus. And so this, the doctrine of Balaam is able to lure people to sin against God and make it look like it is nothing. And that is what compromise is. Compromise can be defined as a blending of the qualities of two different things. Or to concede your principles. Concession of principles. So these are principles you knew. But then compromise comes in. And that's exactly what happened to Balaam. God said clearly my standards are clear. Don't go with these people. When he saw money. When he saw things being offered. When he saw comfort. He will no longer preach the gospel. He won't follow God's word. See Balaam teaches us. That we can flout God's word. And get away with it. There's nothing wrong here. You'll be fine. All these things. Your mother has just been too difficult. Pastor has just been hard. I remember some years ago, somebody said, because I haven't had broken heart before. That is why I'm telling her to hold on to holiness and to stick to righteousness after she lost a relationship. When I was preaching holiness and sanctification and stay away from fornication, Somebody retorted that because I am married, I'm telling people that they shouldn't have sex. As if it is me who is saying it. The word of God is saying so. One day we will stand before this Jesus. People, if you believe we are in Easter season, if you believe he truly died on the cross and you will even celebrate Easter, then remember that death will not be in vain. That death on the cross will not be in vain. If God's son died, we will die. If God's son died on the cross, then he will come and judge us. And we who are born again, this revelation that we are reading, the church in Pergamos is not unbelievers. They were Christians. They were Christians. And the Bible says that they compromised. They compromised. Compromised. And so we must be careful that we don't cooperate with people that will make us break our relationships with God in the name of Jesus. Avoid any alliance or participation or partnership with anyone that could lead you to immoral practices and to make you not to fear God. Balaam's teach people how to rebel against God's servants. You know, sometimes some people don't fear God. They just speak against God's servants. 
God's true servants, God will judge those who speak against God's true servants. God will judge. But suddenly we don't fear God anymore. We just think they are, they are ordinary. We can insult them. After all, don't we know their parents' houses? <laughs> that was what the problem of the church, of the people in Nazareth. They couldn't discern Jesus Christ, who is God himself, the son, walking among them. They said, is, is that not a carpenter's son? Yeah, you may know he's the carpenter's son, but he's not the carpenter's son in the sight of Almighty God. He is the son of God. May the Lord help us in the name of Jesus. Hallelujah. Glory be to Jesus. So they were rebuked for tolerating those who have the doctrine of Balaam. Tonight, examine yourself. Are you tolerating some Balaam around you who is coaching you how to take things that are holy, very light, that we can take holy things and just desecrate them. That we can choose to tithe or not to tithe. It is me choosing to give to the church or to the pastor. Or, do you have revelation that God already has said the tent belongs to him? It's a holy thing. May we have the fear of God to this. But when you have balance in the congregation, they make you feel that what used to be seen is no longer seen. That is nothing. It's nothing at all. These things, you people are just, you people are just becoming too much. You are just becoming some way. You are too hard. You are holding on to rigid things. These are Victorian time things. They are no longer relevant in the 21st century. If, if that is the case, why are the Japanese developing and they have got, I don't, you call those things as fruitfulness? The Bible says the blessing of the Lord is that which makes rich. Not only not only earthly riches, but spiritually makes you rich. It makes you have peace without sorrow. Those people can have all the wealth. Satan himself told Jesus, all the glories of this world has been given to me. Does he have peace? He doesn't have eternal life. So earthly possessions does not mean necessarily that you have the blessing of the Lord. Glory be to Jesus. Life is in a person. His name is Jesus. I have a few things against you. The doctrine of Balaam. Are you listening to a doctrine of Balaam or you yourself? You are the Balaamite here. There are people who are listening to me tonight. You may be the one who is actually telling people, don't mind the pastor. <laughs> I remember years ago when we started a church in Ghana called Holy Ghost Center. I preach on holiness. One of my cousins walked out and said, Pastor James, what does he think he's talking about? We will continue to go to our boyfriends. What is he talking about? As if I, I am not the problem. The word of God, I'm a messenger. The word of God is true. There are people that can tell people, don't mind these statements. We will just come to church and we will go. We will pick what is good for us. And we will leave what we don't like. You are listening to Balaam. Follow the word of God methodically. Go all out. It is better to be a hardliner for the word of God and for the word of God and the laws of God than to compromise it. I believe it would have been going on here. They would have been saying, seeing these things in church. Maybe one or two people may go to the pastor and say, Pastor, there's some compromises. There are some people in leadership. They are teaching others that they can sin. We have seen some people in leadership that they are committing adultery. We are seeing people in church that they are sleeping with the young ones in church. They are doing some things in church. And oh, but so long as they are sacrificing for the church. So long as their tithe is huge and big, let's, let's gloss over it. The Bible says some people were dying all right, but God said, I still have something against you. 
I still have something against you. And he said, not everybody in the church is really dying. Not everybody in church is really standing for the truth. Some of them, their continuous existence is because they have compromised with the enemy. There are people who have compromised their faith. Their funding, their finances are coming from some strange places. There are people that are in church and they are involved in prostitution. Yeah. Until the Lord reveals it, you won't know. Until they are confronted, then they confess. And it's shocking. But this tells you what the Lord sees. That is why here he could say, I have something against you. I have something against you. I don't want the Lord to have something against me. Tonight, purpose in your heart that the Lord will not have anything against you. These are serious things, people. People just say, well, we can just go to church. That's why evangelism is not my thing. <laughs> you are compromising a very serious thing. You know what? Look at it. Look at something. Look at it. Let's go back there. Let's go back there. It says, nevertheless, I have something against you. You have people there who hold to the teaching of Balaam, who taught Balak to entice the Israelites to sin by eating food sacrificed to the idols. He enticed them. He lured them. He managed to weave his way into them. Be careful who you are relating with. Satan also goes to church. And to commit, and by committing sexual immorality, they were involved in pagan orgies. And did all kinds of perverse things. And then he says, now you have those who hold to the teaching of the Nicolaitans. In, in the chapter, chapter 2, um, earlier on, he mentioned the collector and said, this, these people teach things I hate. Jesus said he hates these things. And yet we are happy to embrace them because some so-called professor or some rich guy or some influential guy is telling us to take holy things for granted. May the Lord help us in Jesus' name. Today, I don't know, the, as I was reading this throughout the day, it kept on coming to me. I don't want the Lord to have something against me. These people are sacrificing so much. If you look at the father, you see, we, we as humans would have commended that church. We would have commended them. Say, so what? We still have a church in Pergamos? Yeah. Headquarters would have same congratulations that you are still there. Satan even lives there. And our members go to church. And they are doing well. But within the church, the owner of the church. See, if you read the revelation of Jesus in Revelation chapter 1, the Bible says he is the one that was standing in the midst of the seven golden candlesticks. And the candlesticks are the churches. Hallelujah. The candlesticks are the churches. And he's standing in the midst of his church. In fact, in one of them, he said, I have something against you. And if you don't repent, I'll come and remove the candlestick. When we get to that church, you will see. And that means that he will, he will take the power of the church away from that church. That church will just have a name in existence, but they are dead. Spiritually dead. Nothing is, the anointing doesn't move there. They have an organization. They have a structure. But they don't have fire. They don't have the Holy Spirit. The Bible says, the next thing, the next thing. Then it says, you also have in the church, those who hold to the teaching of the Nicolaitans. Nicolaitans. This has nothing to do with Nicholas. Amen. And it has nothing to do with the Ghana tribe in Accra, Ghana. 
out of which you have Nikwe Olai, it's, it's, a, it's wrong completely when people push those things and try to say Gaza from Israel. It's not true. Say it in Hebrew and see whether it sounds like Gan. This is written in English. Nicolaitans. Nicolaitans is a compromising spirit. Nicolaitans were believers who compromised their faith in order to enjoy some of the sinful practices of the Ephesians. Nicolaitans were believers who compromised their faith in order to enjoy some of the sinful practices of the Ephesian society. The church in Ephesus, Ephesians, Ephesian society, these people. So the name Nicolaitans is, is, is similar to, to those from Balaam as well. But these people were believers who had compromised their faith and have accepted anything to go with so long as their, their stomach is fine. They, they, they love the lures of the world. And they are similar to Balaam. That is why they were linked together. They, they, are, they are a New Testament version of Balaam. And you see, when you look at Nicolaitans, can be likened to what some of us do today. See, when we want to take part in an activity that we know is wrong, but we still want to take part in that activity, we make excuses to justify our behavior. When we want to partake in some activity, we know it's wrong. But then we make excuses to justify our behavior. Then we call it a weakness. Ladies and gentlemen, God calls it sin. And when the Bible calls it a sin, your opinion doesn't matter. And so we say things like, it isn't as bad as it seems. Or that it won't hurt at all. Or it won't even hurt our faith. For all you know, God has actually moved on. He doesn't move on. He's already in the future. <laughs> He's already in the future. He has nowhere to go. He's there already. He's now, he is, he will be, and shall be. Glory be to Jesus. Amen. So the Bible says, Christ has strong words for those who look for excuses to sin. And this is the Nicolaitan spirit, the Nicolaitan doctrine. Looking for excuses to justify an act of sin. Nicolaitans. Tonight, are you a Nicolaitan? Or you are a Balaamite? May the Lord help us in Jesus' name. It is true, it was not easy to be a Christian in Pergamos. But God was still not allowing Nicolaitans and those who hold to the doctrine of Balaam in the church. In the name of Jesus, what are you compromising? What are you excusing and justifying? What are you excusing? What are you excusing? Every form of excuse we provide so as to participate in an activity we already know is sinful is a Nicolaitan compromise. That's why God says, I hate that one too. And I hate that of Balaam. And today we see that all over in churches. We see that all over in churches. Very serious compromises go on. Very serious stuff. Very serious things. All you ask yourself, what are we looking for? May Christ take his place in our churches again. And may Christ be at the center of our lives again. The Lord is calling his church back to righteousness and sanctification in anticipation of his coming. 
in the name of Jesus. It's not going to be all about this earth. It's not going to be all about wealth, houses and riches. They are good for our survival, but it's not all there is to it. There must be that connection with Christ and our behavior. We must go all out and serve the Lord Jesus Christ without any form of compromise whatsoever. Tonight I came to ask you, are there some activities you are interested in while you are providing excuses? You, want to you really want to be watching porn. You've been watching it. Six hours you are watching it and you are providing excuse. But why is it that when another person is coming, you hide it? Minimize window. You can minimize the window, but the Holy Ghost is seeing you. And he will say to you, I know that you sing in the choir, but you have, I have something against you. I have something against you. When you watch pornography, you are promoting an industry that is in defiance against the word of God. The people you are watching, they are not born again. They are not married. They are sinning. And it will disturb you. See, and these things go and say, oh, we are learning. We are learning. We are learning new moves and new styles. Who taught Adam and Eve? Believe God. Get married. Then you can have sex. Follow the word of God. You see, don't come to church. Don't call yourself a Christian and begin to compromise. And the truth is that your conscience knows that it is wrong. You can't be lasting after another woman and say you are admiring the beauty of nature. You are providing excuse and you are giving the devil ammunition to lure you gradually. The Bible says every man is tempted when he's drawn away by his own lust. What are you compromising? Nicolaitan. May the Lord deliver us in the name of Jesus. And so he says to them, repent. Repent. He said, repent. Tonight, I came to repeat what he said and to remind you, repent if you find yourself in church and you are allowing a doctrine of Balaam or the doctrine of the Nicolaitans. Repent. If you yourself, you have become the messenger of Nicolaitans and Balaam to be influencing people within the church to compromise and to disregard what actually is a sin, it is time to wake up. Avoid the company of people who tell you that some of the things that you consider to be sin, they tell you it is not sin. Don't worry about these things. Don't these things, they use it to scare little children. Don't, don't worry about it. Don't worry. Who, who is scaring you? Think about the word of God. Go back to the word. Let the word be the government over your life. In Jesus' name. And, and the Bible says that, he said, repent therefore. Otherwise, I will soon come to you. Not unbelievers. I will soon come to you. And I will fight against them. With the sword of my mouth, I will use my word to fight against them. Jesus will preserve his church. He died on the cross, paid the price for it. He's not going to tolerate any form of corruption in his house. Church, church is serious work. Salvation is a serious business. God sent his son out of eternity to risk his life to stay in the womb he created, to be born and to rise and to die on the cross for your sins. Church, this can't be any way, anyhow. We can't be saved and just live any way, anyhow. And Nicolaitan will tell you there's nothing wrong even if you don't pray, the Lord knows. The Lord wants you to pray. The Lord wants you to pray every day. 
The Bible says to him who knows what is good and does not go do it, to him it is sin. So sometimes you think sin is all the cardinal sins we have called out. Smoking, drinking, committing sexual sins, etc. We know them, cardinal sins. The things that we are supposed to do in the word of God, when we fail to do them, they constitute sin. The Lord help us in Jesus' name. You use profanities easily and said, oh, it's nothing. It's just uh, I lost my temper. <laughs> but why does that come out first? Even if you lose your temper, out of the abundance of the heart, the mouth speaks. What is in your heart? How much word is there in you? Please, soak the word in your spirit. May when people see you, may they see Christ in Jesus' name. He says, I will fight against them with the sword of my mouth. He who has an ear, let him hear what the spirit says to the churches. See, this was written to the church. Now he says to the churches, to all of us until the church transports by rapture. It is still relevant today. The spirit is saying through me tonight to you, by the word of the Lord, repent. Keep asking yourself this evening, as you hear this message, has the Lord anything against me? What does he have against me? What am I compromising? What am I compromising? Do I want to be like all the others? You are different. Lady, you are different. Gentlemen, you are different. Like Samson, his hair was different. He would have wanted to be like the other guys. But his mom and dad would have told him. It's only when he grew up and he began to play around what God has said don't play with. His eyes were taken away. He was anointed, but God had something against him. He lost it. Don't let Balaam lure you to sin against God. When judgment comes, it will be you alone. To him who overcomes, that means whether we are in Pergamos, we have been persecuted for our faith, may we still be Christians even in this 21st century. May we stand tall, may we preach Christ, may we hold on to the values of righteousness and holiness and service to God and Christ. In the midst of all of this, may we not compromise at all. And it says, when we overcome these temptations, when we overcome Balaam attitudes, when we overcome Nicolaitan doctrines, he says to him, I will give a hidden manner. We may not know exactly what the hidden manner is, but so long as it has the parallel to the church that was coming from Egypt into the wilderness, there was a Balaam on the way. To corrupt them from receiving all that they need to receive as they get to their promised land. Now you are born again. You are on your way to your promised land. There will be Balaams on the way. There will be Nicolaitans on the way. But don't compromise at all. Don't marry them. Don't relate with them. Don't connect with them. Connect with them only to get them saved. But don't let them influence you negatively. And the Bible says that as they went on their journey, they received manna that nourished them. This hidden manna may be a representation of what will nourish the believer in the world to come. That spiritual nourishment that will keep you going. That will make you fresh. That will be a blessing to you that will nourish your soul because you are a spirit man that is living in this body but when we get over there he said i'm going to give a hidden manner something that will preserve you and then he says another reward for overcoming nicolaitans and balamites i will also give him a white stone with a new name a white stone with a new name written on it known only to him who receives it 
There are rewards for righteousness. And the Lord has no business lying to us. Tonight, believe him. In the name of Jesus. It is unclear what the white stones are or exactly what the names of each person will be. But because it is also connected to the hidden manner, it is possible it has something to do with spiritual nourishment and rewards. It says your name will be written on it. A name represents character. A good name is better than riches. A name represents God. That means the Lord will give you a new identity, a new heart, a new, a new nature. It will be a reward from God. It's not for everybody, but to him that overcomes. To him that overcomes. In the name of Jesus. Tonight, I want you to stand up for Jesus.